0: Welcome to this week's Rugby League Back Chat from the LD Nutrition Stadium in Featherstone. On the panel this week, we have Featherstone's very own chairman, Mark Campbell, the RFL's interim chief on-field officer, Dave Rotherham, and League Express editor, Martin Sadler. Gents, welcome. Thank you for joining us as ever. We're going to start by looking on the field because we've had another big week. Big week for a lot of teams in all the competitions, namely Martin, the Leeds Rhinos, who have they now secured their place in Super League with
1: that win over the Catalan Dragons? Well, they're not mathematically certain, but I think they're as certain as, as we can be. Uh, last two games, 40 points in each game. Uh, the, the 44-0 at Huddersfield, 48 8 48-8 against um, the Catalans. And it's not just that they've got big scores, but they looked impressive in both games. You've got to say that Leeds recruitment, since they were in trouble earlier in the season, they've gone out and recruited you know, a bunch of players to get them out of trouble. And I was a bit sceptical at the time when they uh, when they were doing this You know, I wasn't sure it would work, but it has done an all credit to Kevin Sinfield and in particular to Richard Agar, mm-hmm. who I think has been outstanding in terms of what he's done since David Ferner left the club uh, earlier this season. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? There's a lot of speculation about now who will be the new St. Helens coach, but the speculation about who, who might be the new Leeds coach seems to have dropped off a bit, and quite a lot of people are now saying Richard Agar should keep the job. Of course, he's a Featherson lad, isn't he? Yeah, uh, certainly. So I'm sure you'd be really keen to see him stay there. At, well, at we Eddingley. would.
2: Uh, he's, obviously, we've got a good relationship with Richard. Yeah. Being a featherstone lad. Uh, I, I see Richard quite often, um, both professionally and uh, socially, and uh, he's done such a good job at Leeds, not just fetching the players in what he's fetched in, but the way he's galvanised the team spirit. I yeah. think the team spirit just shines through at least. Looks
1: so much better,
0: doesn't it? And they it? just
2: look like they're enjoy, enjoying playing together again.
0: Fetched in a good assistant coach as well, hasn't he? Right. Yeah, he's, uh,
2: uh, when I spoke to Richard, a bit, when Richard were on about uh, fetching somebody in to help him, uh, you know, I had no qualms about uh, Ryan going and helping Richard because I know Richard uh, really rates what Ryan does at Featherstone. <laughs> and I thought it'd be a great, a great it'd be good for Ryan, would be good for Leeds, and obviously I saw the benefits for Featherston as well, in that is seeing the Leeds players first-hand in training on a day-to-day basis, uh, which can only
0: benefit us.
1: It's picking the best ones out to come here. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs>
0: hopefully. Uh, Dave, Martin mentioned the the new signings that that they've made mid-season. How they've been great, but some of these young lads are flourishing as well at the Rhinos. Harry Newman, in particular, was very, very good on Friday night.
3: Yeah, someone like Harry, he's come through their, their academy system. obviously, that over a long, you know, decades has produced many players not only for Leeds but also for the whole of rugby league. And and Harry had the, a great benefit last year. He, he was very much part of the. England Academy team that beat Australia 2-0 in a Test Series. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he takes that type of experience and a good pre-season Super League and they've persevered with him and left him in the team and, you know, he's flourished as a result and he's, earned, you know, quite rightly earned a call to our England night squad.
0: Absolutely. And Martin, you mentioned on the coaching front, it's telling, isn't it? At first, Richard Agar, Agar said, I don't want the job, I don't want the job. When he's asked about it now, <laughs> he doesn't say, he's very non-committal on it, isn't he? it would be mad not to want it, well, wouldn't he? Well, do we expect Richard Agar to be the coach next year?
1: Well, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know because Leeds are a club that do tend to keep things very close to their chest. Mm. So we're, we're not sure that, you know, we that there are a lot of coaches in Australia who have been linked with, with Leeds. But I think it, it's always the case, isn't it? That you look at how the guy's doing who's got the job at the moment. Mm. And if he's doing a good job, I think you're crazy without, to without a doubt. crazy to change it. You know, and um, and Richard, I mean, I, I I've s- speak to Richard quite a bit. And I've got to say about Richard, of all the coaches I speak to, uh, you know, he's one of the guys who's technically one of the most knowledgeable people mm. in the game. In my opinion, you talk to him about the game on the field and he He spots things that certainly I don't spot, you know, so which is probably not that difficult, actually, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but he is he's very smart, very shrewd, very, very smart cookie in my view. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think if I were if I were Leeds Rhinos, then I think I'd be keeping him on on board. There's no doubt about it.
0: What about the rest of the teams? Because while we're saying that Leeds are maybe safe, you'd have to say that there are four teams that aren't Uh, London, uh, the favourites at the minute, two points adrift of Wakefield and Hull pleach this weekend, which is a huge game, and obviously the Huddersfield Giants. He, Dave, it's uh, it's very hard to predict, still, isn't it? It is. You know, you, you
3: know, the Premier League football season kicked off this this week, and mm-hmm. there was talk about 40 points in the Premier League, and you know, looking at the Super League table at the moment, it's probably 22 that's going to get you safe, and it's tight. And you know, London have got a good running. I think they'll fancy that. Um, Pick up some points, and uh, but you know we we're talking before Martin and I about the you know, leads. Let's not think that they're in relegation trouble. They can still get in the top five, which is crazy. And, and, yeah. and that's the way automatically, t- yeah. mathematically. Yeah. Put. You know, if I was a coach, uh, in that situation, I think I'd be talking of, you know, about winning points and and moving up the table rather than. You know, sometimes it sounds very negative that you, you put the message of relegation in players' heads. You know, mm-hmm. try and keep it a bit more positive. Of you know, we're going to climb the table rather than just avoid
0: twelfth spot. What do you think? Well, I think
2: I, th- I think Le- Leeds Leeds players were rel- relishing this Thursday's game, and that just shows you how much they've have turned the season around from uh, from six eight weeks ago. Mm-hmm. In that, uh, I-, I can't wait to watch Thursday's game. I think it'll be an absolute belter. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's an interesting one for Saints, Martin, because the last have, game before Wembley. You yeah. know, how do they? We saw what they did with when they played London before the semi. Will they go down that? Route again, does Justin Holbrook maybe want them to get another game under the belts? And i the well, yeah, I think fight so. Else? I mean, no.
1: uh, again, <coughs> I, you know, I can't read Justin Holbrook's mind, so you know, I'm, I'm just sort of speculating on how I see it. But I think Justin Holbrook will put his strongest side out against Leeds. You know, it's the last game before Wembley, and I think he'll say to them, you know, show me that you deserve to be in that side for Wembley. Because the, the, the great thing about Saints and for, for Holbrook is that he, he's got a bunch of players just bubbling up outside the yep. 17, who we can put in. You know, Jack wellsby has been absolutely outstanding. Yeah. But mm. not just Wellsby, lots of other players. You know, Young Bentley, I think, has come through really strongly this I've year. I've been as impressed well. with Alan smith, Aaron Smith. Absolutely, Aaron smith great you know, season. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Jack can't go on forever, can no. he? So mm. but they've got the, the, the guys ready to step in when some of these great players mm. retire, which is a tremendous position to be in. Let's
0: move away from the relegation battle and onto the top five, because the Salford Red Devils, Dave, are just they are rising indeed. They're on a phenomenal run of form and they almost look like the favourites to make the five at the minute, don't they?
3: Well, they're fifth in the table, aren't they? So, you know, they've just got to hold their form and, and they're in. And, you know, for the resources that Ian Watson's got there, he's probably not got the, the strongest team or the mm-hmm. spending the full salary cap. And, you know, Ian has, has done a really good coaching job and, you know, you know he's been selected as a, a Great Britain assistant coach. So that's, I think, that shows. What a great job is done with Salford. So, yeah, look, look, you know, good for them to be climbing that table and where they are, because no one would have given them that at the start of the year.
0: Mark, if if Salford were to make the five, where would it rank in the achievements of any club in any any league? Well, this year? If,
2: if you'd have said that at start of the season, and then you add in that they lost Robert Lowry to Leeds, mm. it, it's unbelievable, <laughs> and, and it just it just underlines how how good a job Ian Watson's done and. You know, he must have put some work into that team on the pitch to and get him He lost playing Martin
0: Gleason, don't he? Martin, Martin Gleeson Gleeson there. There. Yeah. And I tell you, one of the most impressive things about, for me, you look at how Tuilola here really, really strolled at Leeds, and he looks like a world beater at Salford. Well, he certainly, what's he done with him?
1: He certainly looks happier, doesn't he? Mm. Um, for some strange reason, at Leeds, he seemed to be carrying a bit of a burden uh, of expectations, uh, whereas at Salford, and I, and I think it, it probably got something to do with playing with Jackson Hastings, you know. Mm. I mean, that's the real thing at Salford. At the start of the season, Jackson Hastings, you know, left Manly under a cloud, wanted to come to this country, and a lot of clubs wouldn't touch him because they all thought yeah. he was a troublemaker, which which is actually the opposite. He's been superb yeah. for Salford as a, as a you know, Working with the community of Salford and, and doing absolutely everything the club would want of him and and being such a positive guy, mm. uh, and Salford took that chance with him yeah. and it's paid off. I, I think magnificently. I think
2: players can get this stigma of yeah. being a troublemaker too easily, and yes. it, it, it seems to yeah. stick with them. And everybody's different, and, and there's there's a way of managing people in any in any, in any uh, business. You've, you've got difficult people and, and easy people to manage and it's a way its a way of getting that, the best out of them. Well,
1: over and the years, it means giving people responsibility. Yeah. Actually, a lot of so-called troublemakers thrive on responsibility, yeah. actually.
0: Well, I mean, over the years, I mean, you've had them at Featherstone, haven't you? I mean, as an example, well, Dane Chutham <laughs> has, has had that tag. He's never stayed well, anywhere you, a do long you, time. do you
2: call somebody a troublemaker if they mm-hmm. ask questions? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and that's basically what it comes down to a lot of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dave, what... What are we thinking about this top five race then? Because as we said, Salford at the minute, will they manage to keep hold of that spot though? I think, you know,
3: back end of the season, you know, I've been a coach myself and you need that momentum going into cup finals and playoffs. And Salford seem to have that. Interesting point you make about their players as well. You know, Ian's added a lot of value to those players. The mm-hmm. fact that you know, the bigger clubs can afford to pay them bigger yeah. salaries, and yeah. and you know, that's a, another thing that Ian's done is develop that group of players. And you know, they've, they've you know, Jackson Hastings obviously going to Wigan, Jake Bibby. A lot of their players are in demand from other clubs. And um, you know, for for a young player going to Salford this is a good, you know, could be a good thing that you will get well developed.
0: Martin, just to move this on to Saint Ellers, because you mentioned the coaching situation. What, what is the latest? there now. Are we any closer to, to knowing who it will
1: well, be? Well, uh, I don't think we're much. I mean, the, the two favourites seem to be um, um Adam O'Brien from the Roosters, I think it is, isn't it? And Christian mm-hmm. Wolf from um, Newcastle, Newcastle Knights, isn't so. it? The, 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 the Tonga coach. Um, Jason Dimitri has been mentioned as well very strongly, but the suggestion is he might want to what? stay in Australia. Well, we've
2: just been on about Ian Watson and yeah, yeah. he's not in the frame. And yet Jason Dimitri is. And that's what I'm going to say. You never
0: quite I w- know. I was, was going to sure. bring this up, Dave. Is it a little bit disappointing that the top job, effectively, in, in the domestic game um, at club level, is going, and all the favourites for the post are Australian and not? English you know,
3: do we really know that and you know, That's I, I, no, I do. don't know what Saints' application recruitment yeah. situation is we'll it yeah. could be you know we don't know and, you know they would have had lots of applications I'm sure mm. so I think we're just speculating here that you know just yes, Mike's gone to Australia to go and look but until we know mm-hmm. until we know who's applied then well, we, we won't know
1: <laughs> we had a readers poll in League Express <clears throat> about who should be the the next St. Helens coach mm. and the guy who came top of it was Sean Wayne Right, <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? <laughs> and he's not—he's not actually in the betting, you know, on, on Betfred. So you know they're that assuming that would be a strange one. They're <laughs> assuming. <laughs> Could, that it correct won't me happen.
0: if i wanted Richard Marshall finish second as well? He did pretty well. So, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Uh, there, I mean, there are British coaches out there, Matt, that are capable of taking that job. Aren't lots
2: of they? lots of good coaches. Look at the job what Stuart Littler's doing it doing at Swinton. It, you know, like, they play yeah, yeah. some lovely football, and to get to get them where they are in the league notwithstanding the performance last Sunday again us yeah he's done, he's done, a, fantastic bubble, yeah, <laughs> he's done a fantastic job and yeah. there's lots of other examples of that
0: Martin if you were a decision maker at a club and you were appointed a new coach would you in an ideal world go down the British route or the overseas route for in an ideal coach? world
1: undoubtedly the British route and Why is that? um because Justin, I mean, you you, you get some great coaches from Australia and Justin Holbrook is a perfect example. Uh, He's done a terrific job since he's been there. But the problem is with Australians, you always know that they're going to go back. I mean, you've got an Australian coach here. You always know that, I mean, they are Australian. They want to coach ultimately in Australia. It's natural, really. It's
2: a chance you take because there's lots of other things to factor in. It's whether the families settle, Mm -hmm. the kids settle. Absolutely. There's lots of other things uh, they could have. Uh, family issues, back, you know, yeah. parents, parents, illness, Ill, whatever, that's right. and these all these are all things. What, when they're twelve thousand miles away, it, it it's it's a distraction, mm. and and it, and it's the families, and, and it's uh, yeah, you've got to take that into account as well. Yeah,
1: I, I I think there are enough British coaches knocking around to certainly consider for the top jobs in this country. Mm. There's no doubt about it. And we see quite a few of them in the championship, don't we? Yeah. I mean, the, the ideal for me is when a coach comes up, you know, through a club, mm-hmm. um, perhaps coaches academy initially, then reserve grade, which we're going to have much more of next year, of course, and then ultimately graduates to the top job. Sean Wayne did that at Wigan. Yeah. Uh, Danny Ward at London Broncos yeah. is, a, is another great example, isn't he? You yeah. know, there are lots of others. Yeah. So, you know, that would be the way that I would want to see, you know, leading coach evolve.
0: Uh, Dave, just on the the rest of the league, uh, Warrington stumbling ever so slightly at the minute. Is is it all are the stars aligning for them to put on the best performance of the year at Warrington? At Wembley, Wembley.
3: sorry. Yeah, it, 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 Wembley's a one-off game, isn't it? And you know we're sat here at Featherstone, who've probably pulled off one of the biggest shocks at Wembley of all time. So anything could happen. It's one game, and yeah, you know, I think for Warrington, I think they're a little bit wounded at the moment, and yeah, you know, they've got good people in in the in the club there you know, get them right for the day. They've you know, they've had lots of Wembley experience in recent years. So you know, they've got a good experienced team of staff around the players and the players themselves who, who've experienced big games. So um, I'm sure it'll be a, a classic on uh, a week on Saturday. No, you will not you want to write Wellington off, would you?
1: No, yeah, no not at K, all.
2: that's Never. for sure. they totally class players.
1: Does anyone think that Blake Austin won't play, by the way? I think he will play, but I do hope he's fit, yeah. you know, because There have been examples. Think back to 2005, Keith Senior playing for Leeds with an ankle injury. I mean, probably a worse ankle injury than Blake Austin's, but poor old Keith just, you know, struggled in that game and then was taken off at halftime and and Leeds lost it. That was one of the very few mistakes, I think, that Tony Smith's ever made as a coach. You know, I've got great regard for Tony. Mm -hmm. There are other examples at Wembley out there of players who played injured you know, Gavin Miller for Hawkins yeah, and Rovers. Yeah, I was Rovers. trying to think of... Gavin Miller, name, yeah, for yeah. i tell you what, yeah. we're going to have to work wrap up chat up there because yeah. we're going
0: to have to have a short break. After that, we'll be talking reserve-grade referees and much, much more. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this week's Rugby League Back Chat from the LD Nutrition Stadium in Featherstone. Don't forget, you can join the conversation too on Twitter at RLBackChat for now. We're going to move the chat on uh, specifically to you, Dave, uh, because it's been a, a busy week on field, uh, which is your unit, of course, at the RFL. We want to talk first and foremost about reserve grade? Yep. Finally back, we've had the lineup announced for the 15-team competition. How pleased are you that we're finally in this position and we can talk about the return of reserve grade? Yeah, no, I think it's it's great
3: that the now uh, we've got to this position now. It's been a long time. You know, we've been talking about it, getting through the governance of it, working with the. With the whole of the sport, really, it's not just the professional clubs that have got stake in this. Also, got to involve the the, you know, the community game as well as the Super League Championship, League One, all needed consulting with. And you know, we're in a position now where we can provide young players with that transition that they need between age group rugby league and, and senior rugby league. And you know, put aside the word, you know, the, the fact that it's a, it's a league competition. Mm-hmm. You know, for us and, and the certainly for the clubs, it's about player development and providing those learning experiences that go between academy rugby and, and first
0: team. I know it was a long time ago, but I never actually knew the answer to this. Why was reserve grade ever got rid of in the first place? Because everyone's always championed it for, to come back, yeah. haven't they?
3: So if you go back 20 years, mm-hmm. so we had the old A-teams and we had the old Alliance Leagues, if you remember yep. those, and that's where I started my coaching career at, at London Broncos. And in 1999, we rebranded it to an under-21s comp, if you remember, mm-hmm with seven overage players and then going on we took away the number of overage players then it went to under 20s and under 18s and we brought in under 19 so we've we've chopped and changed a lot a lot with the with the uh, in other
1: words typical rugby league chopped and changed yeah, that's <laughs> in yeah, you know <laughs> we, need, we
3: need to have something that yeah. stays so I think we've found a, a happy balance now of um it's not age restricted mm-hmm. um we've got some very sensible rules in my opinion where you can have reserve team dual registration so if you're at a club where you haven't got a reserves then players can freely move between okay in, you know, to play in someone else's mm-hmm. reserves um but you know speaking with chief execs coaches players uh, coaches at all levels mm-hmm. um you know, they're
0: overwhelming in their view that that's what, what what should be correct me if i'm wrong it comes across to me that the big thing here isn't actually the competition itself and, and who comes at the top of the table this yeah. is more about making sure that players at various levels, whether the senior players or whether the players making the transition from boys' rugby to men's rugby, they're getting regular rugby league.
3: Yeah, they're getting regular rugby league, and I think you and I talked on the phone the other day. Yeah, you know, we've we've got cases where, let's take Riley Dean on Thursday night, acquitted himself really well on his debut. That would have been the first time he's played against men, mm-hmm. and we see that a lot. That you, one of the bits of feedback I got from coaches was to play in the Super League. You only have to play well in under-19s at the moment. And that's a massive jump to be able to be doing it regularly and to provide those learning environments where young players have got to play against men. And for the the sake of the player development for those players, where, let's face it, when you're 18, you've still got a long way to go before you're going to be a regular, Mm -hmm. either a Super League performer or ultimately, for, for us as the RFL, It's about producing a World Cup winning England team and we need those different environments where players can learn.
0: Mark, is this a positive step for the sport?
3: Definitely a
2: positive step. Uh, It's positive that all the clubs actually wanted it and and they've all worked together with Dave and the guys at the RFL to make it happen. But I slightly disagree with what you say, in that I feel as though it needs to be Proper competition okay. and that there's there's something to something to play for and win. Yeah, I, I feel oh, there will all, be.
3: Yeah, the, the, there'll I, be, I a, there'll all, be a, a
2: league table it, of points. Yeah, yeah it, it needs to be a real, real vibrant, strong yeah. competition.
1: I think there'll be some strong sides. I mean, you, you know, you look at the Saints and Warrington sides, mm-hmm. for example, that played last week with lots of reserves in mm-hmm. each side, and, and both those sides are going to be very strong <laughs> yeah. at mm. reserve level. The, yeah. the, the one thing that strikes me though is it is it going to just reduce the Inevitably, the um, dual registration players coming to a club like yours uh, I, from, from say Leeds. No,
2: I, I see. I see it running alongside that mm. because I think I think the, the standard of the championship has rose that, that that much, and it's that high that mm. it'll the, it'll still be a tough competition, mm. and that the players will, will want to play for Featherstone rather than playing in the reserve the reserve comp. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. again, again, it could be part of you talk about the pathways. And the, the stepping stones. I guess mm. there's nothing, there's no reason why reserve grade can't be one stepping stone and then the championship the next. Absolutely and right. Yeah.
3: And, you know, it's this isn't set up to prove that reserve grade is better than dual registration. Dual registration has done great things for for, for players in terms of developing them. And look at, you know, I think Featherston and Leeds relationships are a great example. But, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and what, what I found talking to certainly championship head coaches was I don't really use dual registration because the players I'm being offered aren't good enough to get in my team. Yeah. So it'd be very difficult for Mark to have a conversation with his head coach to say, look, we've got this 19-year-old kid from uh, Leeds who's coming in. He'll say, well, he's not good enough. And yeah. you know, yeah. you've know, you got 2,000 supporters that come here every yeah. week. You've got a board to satisfy. You've got your own aspirations. Without so. a doubt.
2: And there's, there's too much at stake in the Championship. Yeah. Mm. You, it's that everything's that tight in every mm. competition that you can't afford to blood these mm. players. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But so the key thing, the, the, the key thing is though that the, gate, are, the, the reserves fit perfectly for that. Yeah. But
1: the key thing is there have been lots of young players at various clubs who have not been getting enough game time yeah. in the last you know few years, uh, and I can think of quite a lot of names who have got you know pretty disillusioned really, yeah. uh, just because the opportunities have not been yeah. there for them, and that's really disappointing when you've got young kids, you know, say eighteen and nineteen, twenty, wanting to play mm. and not being able to. Yeah and for one reason or another not not going on dual registration yeah. or on loan to other clubs it's i think you're absolutely right
2: and i think i feel that a lot of people say oh well those players will go back to the championships the community clubs but i don't see that happening i think no. you, lo- you lose quite at least 50 percent of those yeah. those players because they want to stay at a professional club that's right and i feel as though this gives them there's players who in our know, leads would keep would have kept last year, but they didn't yeah. have a competition for him to play in. So that allows him players to play on mm-hmm. in his reserve comp and develop further, because some are late developers.
0: Dave, you said in uh, League Express it'll be a 15-team comp, 18 fixtures a year. Yep. Is that right? So how so that'll work in the sense that you play every team once and then a couple. Yeah,
3: times. and yeah, I think in discussions with the Super League CEOs, they, they saw it as <coughs> a you know putting games on Wednesday and Thursday nights, so the fixtures will be structured. You know, minimise travel where possible so you've got some local derbies in amongst that which would be uh you know good, good for the good for the players and you know you, you might get back as, as it was that uh, first team head coach might say i need to give somebody 20 minutes on a wednesday night yeah. ahead of playing on a sunday whatever it might be
1: i think that's really smart putting it on wednesday mm. and thursday night because that yeah. will build up its own audience won't it they'll yeah, be definitely. you know you're if you're staging games here at featherston mark on a wednesday or thursday i think you'll get you know, you'll get 500 to 1,000 people coming. Without I, I think. Doubt, yeah. what, what's your plan now? Because
0: obviously you've had a reserve grade this year. Yeah. You're not in the competition. How, how no. are you going to going
2: to We'll run them with Leeds.
0: Right, OK. Yeah. So so they'll it'll be that dual registration. Yeah, yeah reserve team. we'll still have
2: a reserve team. But yeah. We'll mm-hmm. run it alongside Leeds. Yeah, so you right. think,
3: you know, you, you could be week one of the reserve grade next year. Um, Mark's saying there, you'll have Leeds' numbers 19 to 30 of their full-timers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You put in some you know marks num- number 18 to 25 that's a mm-hmm. strong team yeah. yeah and that that, that produces yeah, some high quality right.
0: competition so mm-hmm. and um just to to wrap up on the reserve grid what what's your hope what what's the aspiration for the rfl uh, long term what do you want the legacy of the return of reserve grade to be
3: uh, for, for us it is to develop better players better equipped players mm-hmm. to, for the demands of super league mate, and, yeah. make, and you know, if we've got better players, we'll have better Super League teams, which creates a better Super League competition, mm-hmm. and ultimately that'll drive the standards for England. that sums it up
0: in a nutshell, Matt. just, just quickly, I did forget this. Uh, Keefley and Whitehaven, yep. so they didn't get in. Um, just outline why they weren't able to get in this time round.
3: Yeah, like I said at the start, Matt, this was a whole game consultation, mm-hmm. and clearly we've just created 15 new teams. Mm-hmm. We need player supply from somewhere, and you know, a key stakeholder in this is the community game. And one of the application criteria for teams outside of the Super League and those that don't have academies who've got that ready player supply was, you know, demonstrate where you're getting a new supply of players from. And, you know, Whitehaven and Keithley, their proposed player supply was massively reliant on on the community game. And it had been very unfair of us to say go ahead and then you run the risk then of players migrating Mm -hmm. from community teams that collapses community teams whether that be at ncl level or or tier five and six fair enough we've Uh, got to have
2: a high standard as well the competition's got to be a high standard Mm -hmm. and i think it's a correct decision
1: but presumably it's flexible enough so that the following year if you've got more clubs wanting to run reserve grade teams Mm -hmm. you can and they can satisfy the criteria, they'll be able to. Yeah, and that's where we join we're, the competition. Yeah, it's
3: quite right, Martin. And that's our job within our player development team is that we, you know we assist the, all professional clubs in finding a, a sustainable play, player supply that suits their need. And you know, the, the, in the immediate thing for both the, you know, Whitehaven and Keighley is to work with their local college providers to where they can link with them. Um, you know, I know you have got a member of staff who's going to coach the Keithley College team, for example. Oh, so mm-hmm. you have built that in your locality mm-hmm. of young young players in a college environment where you know, Dean Muir's going to be a part-time member of staff at Keithley College and you, know, you grow that programme, then you're starting to, to find a player supply. But that's going to take them a couple of years to, mm-hmm. to get that established.
0: Oh. Moving it on to referees, uh, there's been a lot of furore ever since that Catalan's Warrington game. The James Child scenario, uh, Steve Ganson's come out this week in League Express and, and spoke at length about this. What's your take on on it all, Dave? The RFL have come in for some criticism. James Charles coming for some criticism from people. What, what's your take? Yeah,
3: that particular, you know, was a, obviously, we didn't like to see what we saw at the back end of that game. Um, and for James, you know, he it was made out. He was dropped. He wasn't, you know, as Steve said, you know, they've got a panel of ten full time referees, um, which you know, having, you know, the last couple of months, me being more involved with, with the match officials, you'd be astounded, actually, at the detail of analysis that that has gone into, you know, post-games. Mm-hmm. Um, and players and referees like players, they're up and down in, in their form uh, and move between levels. So, um, there was, no, you know, that was... Happens every week. It was just it was a huge amount of public attention was brought to it. Mm-hmm. Mark, I
0: mean, you're you're watching games week in week out. Yeah.
2: What's, well, what's, your what's, on what's frustrating for me as a spectator is just our teams slowly play the ball down and they con- they consistently let the left to get on with it. And the referees adjust the how far they take the team back because they know they'll be penalized. But why don't they just penalize them? from the th- in the first 10 minutes. The team will, will, will soon realise that they've got, to, they've got to get out of the tackle quick and they've got to get met the 10. And there's get, week after week, there's teams been allowed to get away with this. And it just drags, drags the competition down and players get frustrated. And teams like ourselves who want to play quick will stop from playing quick.
0: Well, Dave, you're the best person in there, in this panel <laughs> yeah. to, uh, to <laughs> respond <laughs> to that one. No, I
3: think the response is, you know, everyone's a talent to their own opinion. And, you know, for Super League and Championship, you know, there was a thorough review of, of games. Um, I'm sure Mark Featherstone, you know, top end of the table, you yeah, get quite a well, lot of our full-time we're, referees. We
2: constantly give our gives feedback to referees after every single game. and And they acknowledge that the faults are there. You get to the next game and you, you reiterate and you same things what you spoke about the week before. Nothing, it doesn't seem to get any better. That's what's frustrating. You know, referees can have an off game, but when it's happening every week and it impacts on what we're watching, it's got to be addressed. And I'd like to see it get addressed because it needs addressing because it it, it's ter- it makes some of the games terrible to watch.
0: Martin, from, I guess you're looking at this from the from the middle. What what do you make of this, you know? Is the game too slow Are the rooks too slow what's your opinion
1: sometimes they certainly can be and 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 mark's absolutely right that that a lot of teams deliberately obviously try and slow the play ble- the play of the ball down so that you know the attack is blunted and yeah. that's that's the, the the obvious thing to you know that, that their aim uh so uh, uh, there is an onus on referees to um, try to ensure that the game is played at the right you know yeah. um most degree of momentum. And um, but I, I don't know. It, it, rugby league is a really difficult game to referee, I think. And you've always got to um, if, if, if referees blow up every, you know, they could blow up many, many more times than they do. And, you know, you've always got that problem that a referee who, who blows too many penalties mm-hmm. then comes in for but a lot of criticism. What if they do it well? in the
2: first 10 15 months? Well, I think that's that. would be a ideal. Yeah, you set a precedent. Players some players latch onto that. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, we, we signed an NRL hooker and we've not got the best out of him because the, the, rook's, the rook's too slow. Yeah. And we can't get. Yeah. It's, no, it's no point. It's been no point of us investing all that money in an NRL hooker because we're not getting the best out of him. We're not seeing the best out of him because we can't really quit play the ball.
0: It did, it did seem that I watched that Toronto game uh, in Canada and that was one of the quickest games I've seen all year. Yeah. I guess they're in a similar position where they want they, yeah, want, they want the to game to play it quick. So yeah. I mean what, what's what's the answer to that though Dave because it, naturally if two teams want to play quick it's going to be quick isn't it? Yeah. It's just from the referee's point of view is it finding the balance of what's simply too slow that basically what they've got The, the referee
3: or referee, what's in front of him according yeah. to the, the laws of the game and and the, and the policies that are in place at any, any particular time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I do know that Steve Presley and Steve Ganson, you know, Steve looks after a lot of the, uh, Steve Presley, that is, looks after a lot of the uh, championship level and he's in regular dialogue mm-hmm. um, with, with coaches at, at that level. And, um, you know, our, our referees do get, a lot of feedback and, you know, they, they review well, games together and
0: uh, on, on that Mark, point, I tell you what, I tell point, you what, we'll have a quick point. break and I'll bring you back to right, it. Okay. Hold that thought. We're going to continue this conversation after a very, very short break. So stay right here and we'll be back very soon. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Rugby League Back Chat. Mark, I interrupted you uh, while you were in the <laughs> floor there, so the yeah, floor just, just
2: quickly finishing off about the referees. I spotted Steve Ganson some time ago and he mentioned about how many games these referees can re- referee? Referee because they're developing as well, and having the re- having the reserve competition aids their yeah, development absolutely. as well because yeah. it's an extra game and an extra a higher standard that they're refereeing at, and it, it's another game they can fine tune what they what they're practicing on a Sunday or a sat yeah. on a Saturday. So it's that that's another benefit to the reserves.
3: Yeah, that was one thing which was you know, clearly so impacts all the games, and that's one thing we had to take into consideration is that we've got to find all these extra refereeing appointments and so Steve was one of the first people we spoke to about how would this fit and he thought this is great yeah. because for exactly the reason Mark said mm-hmm. you know they're getting in that professional environment they're getting to know the players to know what you know and professional ability is very different to you know NCL mm-hmm. uh, standard and the way the way it's played so yeah it's for, for young referees that's a a great breeding then.
1: Just the think that the thing that strikes me though um, Dave is that you know it's tempting to think isn't it that uh, at one at one time there was a golden age of referees when all the referees were really great guys who <laughs> refereed superbly and never had any problems and so on. That's just that a, that's just believe. a fantasy <laughs> and throughout that time one of the main issues has been you know referees this that and the other you know and certainly my um, my my, my my father was a great Wakefield Trinity supporter and and his view was that, um, you know, all referees were biased against Wakefield, inevitably. <laughs> and I think most um, fans are you know, like <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it, 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 occasionally there might be one who was just a bit less biased than the others. <laughs> and it's,
0: it's true that though. I think we've probably all got stories about that. I mean, yeah. You go know, and watch with friends of a certain team and they think that the referees are against yeah. them. That's, uh, yeah. that's just natural. Um, Mark, I want to move this on uh, to Featherstone. Uh, First of all, thank you very much for hosting us. It's uh, very kind Good. of you. You've had a, a great season on the quiet. There were people who doubted you at the start of the year. Don't think that's yeah. unfair to say. There was a bit of change at the start, but it like you look like you're going to make the five. Have, have you surprised yourselves, or did you always expect you'd be in no, this position? No, we
2: always. We, since I've been involved, I've always wanted a, t- a, a, a team that competed, mm-hmm. and that that not that was going to be the case again this year. Uh, the circumstances made it difficult. The, you know that we changed his coach. The coach left on the eve of the season. Uh, we went to Australia and got a new coach. who's was fitting in really well. He's he's a workaholic. Uh, the players the players really respect him and, and love working with him. And it was always it were always going to be difficult starting late, but uh, we know we we know we we get a good side together, mm-hmm. and that's uh, carried on throughout the season. And uh, if there's any players out there, what we thought could. Could add to us, to the team and the squad. We've we've done as best, you know. Dav Longo and Steve Gill's done a great job in uh, fetching them players in.
0: Do you think that you can go up?
2: Yeah, definitely. Look look at London last season. would have bet on London going to Toronto and beating them. Mm. Uh, you know we we should have beat London here and we'd have been in the top four last last season. That's how close the margins are. Uh, so everybody's got a chance. Everybody's definitely got a chance. And when you look in the top five, uh, I think it's a bit. I, the, the, I, I, I believe, strongly believe the final should be in a neutral venue. Mm. I think Toronto have enough advantages with yeah. visas issues. We had to go I to Toronto with without our best player. Mm-hmm. That can't be right. Uh, that needs sorting out. Why well, they will can't... you be
0: able to sort that for if, well, if, we're, if you go we're again. on? We're
2: on with it now, but right. why they can't just pardon 25 players? Mm. And they're in and out. They're mm. in and out in two days. I, I mm. find it ridiculous. You know, some of the things what you can't get a visa for, the things what somebody's done ten years ago, mm. which which it's ridiculous. I thought mm. that let's I, put some. Co-
0: I seem to recall last year when Toronto were in the qualifiers that they made a guarantee that every player would be able to get in. So what's what, has that changed now? Well, or? well
2: it, we seem to get these guarantees and then and then it changes. Yeah. And you think, well, why has it changed? Yeah. And, you know, that we've had to get, there's one player we've had to, we had to get uh, something from the French police, then the, the Australian police, and all this text time. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't just pardon everybody and just let everybody in and out? Yeah. You're going for two days, for it's God's sake. It's ridiculous. Not, somebody hasn't murdered somebody. They've <laughs> you know, done something silly in yeah. 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think, um, just looking at the championship this year, obviously there's a lot of controversy when the league structure changed again this year from the Super 8s yeah. last year. And you were really prominent yeah. in the Super 8s. You, you, you know, at this time of the season, you would have been playing, you know, Super League clubs yeah. and so on. Um, but we've got a new system this year. Do you think this system has worked? With the top five, and so I,
2: I think any system would have worked because we've got strong teams mm. and, and it's created a vibrant competition. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like the Super Eights. Uh, I'm sure there's a few Super League chairmen might, might wish that we're back to Super Eights <laughs> 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 mm. at the moment. So, uh, mm. yeah, it, it's but I think the, I think the
1: I think the championship competition this year and the Super League to be fair and League One have all been such exciting competitions, you know, and I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the top five really contributes to that because, you know, I was talking to Ian Lennigan at the weekend and he was saying, you know, the great thing is that in the top five, every position you know, that is better than the position immediately below it. So, if, if you're yeah. fifth, you want to be fourth. Yeah. And if you're fourth, which I think you are at the yeah. moment, you want to be third, yeah. don't you? Because it gives you a better chance. Ultimately. Without a doubt. Yeah. And that,
2: that's why it's so important. We're I mean, looking at points difference. Mm. Points difference, it, it could just, it could make that difference. It, I mean, last it? season, yeah. we missed out on the top four. Top, we could have been second by one more point. Yeah. yeah. That's how close the margins are, which mm. makes for a great competition.
0: What if you were to go up? Would you be ready for it? Would, would yeah, of course, without, without
2: a doubt. Uh, we've got the facilities which we own. Yeah, uh, we've got we've got a, a healthy turnover, which is comparable with some bottom five super league clubs. That's without the added added what super league could bring to us. Yeah. And so, the yeah, we'd be yeah, yeah. and staff wise, we there's we would add to the staff, but uh, as a as a business, we're we, we're quite. And you've got it's a fantastic a tradition business.
1: here, aren't you? I mean, as a rugby league club, you're a big name. You know, you've won so many things in the past. Y- yeah, I and, mean, Featherston, you know, what
2: a big name. And, it and it's is. a great ground these days as well. Yeah. It's it a really fantastic is. stadium. Uh, yeah. You know, it, 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 it saddens me when I drive by Wakefields and, and I look yeah. to I, it, Must it, it's an embarrassment to sport that there's a club in Super League, been in Super League all them years. You drive by and it's an absolute disgrace.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not the greatest crowd, is it? Let's be uh, let's be honest. Just want to move it on, um, because it's a bigger topic. But something that I know you've dealt with yourself at this club, and that's crowd trouble this year. Yeah. Um, you've been very proactive. There's been banning orders and, and all sorts. From your experience as a, as a club owner, is this an actual problem that we've got in rugby league at the minute? A rise in
2: crowd? Trouble? I think we've all. You lot, when you've got groups of people coming to to any stadium or any event, you have you have pl- problems. And it's how we're managing it. I think I think the need learning to take a, a lead on it and and actually work with clubs mm-hmm. and uh, work with clubs and, and set some standards mm-hmm. of what what's you know what's acceptable, what we can do to prevent things and stop things from happening, and educate us own fans as well. Because mm-hmm. the things you you could shout and do twenty years ago, you can't do anymore. No. And and it's Absolutely. educating those fans in <clears throat> in that. Yeah, yeah. We want it fans to chant and enjoy the game and create an atmosphere but there's certain certain things you can't say
1: well the thing is mark we've driven racial chanting out of the game a good many years ago yeah. now thank goodness we've done the same with homophobic chanting as yeah. well you know but in my view we need to go further mm-hmm. and and cut out you know foul chanting of, of, of any sort whether it's at the opposition or or in particular at referees yeah, I, I hate to see that I hate to see you know, really bad language. I being don't want to see
2: us getting tarnished too badly because I go watch Leeds United and oh, and the stuff what's come shouted yeah, out by words. thirty thousand people, yeah, it, yeah, r- constantly is unbelievable. Then, and yeah, there's d- no there's no mention d- of that in any way.
0: Yeah, you're right, no. I, Dave. I'll bring you in here. I mean, I, I agree with you, Matt. I go to football games and it's ten times worse than football. I don't want I don't want to make out that that makes it all right. No, but from the RFL's point of view, how Bigger concern is the crowd trouble that we've seen at some games in, in recent time, namely Catalan Warrington, obviously. Yeah, obviously
3: that was high profile and we, that was unavoidable on live TV. And you know, we've got the Enjoy the Game campaign, yeah. which you know, the clubs have, have know all about. And that, that's every level of the game, from right from Super League through to, to grassroots. And you know, Enjoy the Game it encompasses the Respect campaign. And you know, for, for us, we want to see people rowing behind that, promote that. and uh, mark says we can use perhaps use peer pressure to stamp it out and mm-hmm. you know I think we're very good actually at challenging inappropriate behaviours whether that be on the touchline on a sunday morning mm-hmm. at community games right through to super league
1: well the fans the fans do respond to campaigns like that i mean you know as i say at one time going many many years back you might have heard know racial taunts for example yeah. but now if anybody did that in a crowd they'd be picked out by the other yeah. fans and, yeah. and reported to yeah. the authorities and that's a great thing and I think you know but I mean the comparison with football you know it, it, it is a valid comparison I mean I'm not a football fan in any way shape or form I don't watch football and I don't like it if I'm really honest about it <laughs> but, but 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 the fact is that we promote ourselves as an alternative to football don't we and, and as a family game yeah. Yeah. and what that means is that you can bring your, you can bring your kids, you can bring your granddad or whoever it might be to a rugby league game, and you won't feel threatened, and you'll enjoy the game, you'll enjoy the banter with the other yeah, fans, yeah. and that's what we want to see in rugby league. We don't want to see people coming and then being upset by some loudmouth idiots mm-hmm. yeah. next to them, you know, throwing beer over them or, mm. you know, whatever it the might be. The point i would make
0: though, Martin, is it not a society problem rather than? A well, of, rugby course is, of course it is, but the, yeah.
1: but the fact is, yeah, absolutely right. But the fact is that within a rugby league stadium, you know, it's the rugby league and the clubs themselves that control what happens. And, you know, if people come to games who are not prepared to behave in an appropriate way, then we don't really want them. Right, it, it, you've As to, you've shown. It,
2: you've got to nip things in bud. Yeah. And when, you, when you see groups and to get away with it one week, the, the following week, of the 10 idiots with them. Mm-hmm. So you've got to nip it in bud and steward, mm-hmm. stewards have got to be... Uh, uh, they've got to come and do the jobs. Mm. and got to know what their what the parameters are, and they've got to they've got to do the jobs when they're here.
0: I mean, you as a club, you've been fined a few times this year. Yeah. Um, you've obviously handed some banning orders out. Yeah. Now there are people that are calling for Catalans and Warrington to be given point deductions for what happened. Is that no a step into across yeah, the bottom, I would Mark? say
2: that's a step too far. I, I, what I, what I'd like to see is, is if people have had an issue, that they take steps to uh, address that issue and put things in place going forward, and that they, that's then monitored, and if they if they, did, if they did nothing, well, they should get an heavy fine and, and ultimately a points deduction.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's we're saying last case, kiss yeah. on point deduction. Yeah. Would you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think
3: yeah. Mark will know because unfortunately his club had to deal with it this year and. You know, the RFL will leave no stone unturned over this, and there's, you know, I know there's been independent um, investigators appointed to, you know, the, the, the case in, in Perpignan. So I'm sure that will come back with some very robust recommendations and uh, and so on. Mm-hmm.
0: Martin, uh, just to move it on to a slightly nicer note uh, <laughs> for the end of it, uh, the championship. There's obviously been the talk of a TV deal. Um, I think there's been a little bit of negativity around Toronto and their final game's not being shown. But we are going to get the playoffs on there. How big is that for the for the competition? And also, what do we need to see from a broadcast deal for the championship in the future?
1: Well, from I, I, I think the playoffs being on Sky is absolutely tremendous. I, I'm, right. I'm absolutely delighted by that. I, I anticipate that those games will be played on Saturdays and Sundays. Presumably the... Super League yeah. playoff games will be Thursdays and Fridays. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't think Sky have made an announcement clarifying that yet, have they? To my not, knowledge. Not I know. The club's it's been, been informed yet. Yeah. No.
2: Yeah. But, but hopefully that will well be I the think, case. I think I think we've got this opportunity to, to show what we'll to show what we've got. Mm. And if we can get the scheduling right, because what is it? What is it to watch on a, sun, a Saturday tea time? Mm-hmm. What is it to watch on a? If we, everybody could go watch a game on a Sunday and go home, and watch another game, or watch a game in bar after the game live. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be brilliant on a Sunday tea time. Is
0: the onus on clubs that aren't on TV to make the most of that as well, though? You know, to... without a
2: doubt. I mean, I think there's a lot of the, the ROI model. I think there's a lot of onus on clubs to to grow the grow the game, mm. the away support, encourage encourage fans to go to travel away. I mean, there's a there's a, a landlord in Featherston started running buses to ROI away games. And now that's that's prompted the other pubs in the village to right. to run buses. So mm. I feel as though there should be an incentive for, for away fans to go away, whether it's... Uh, a, a, but you need the whole of the league to buy into it. You know, we, we want to sell tick We're selling tickets for York from our shop, which mm. drives football through our shop and encourages fans to go. Not a lot of clubs will, will let they'll like give tickets to us to sell which is it's mm-hmm. crazy it is isn't it uh, yeah you, you need everybody to buy into it and if somebody could buy a se- away se- season ticket mm-hmm. at a discount i think it's a it, that'd be a bonus as well
0: it comes cool. back just quickly Martin very quickly to events culture a little bit that we spoke about you know well, pre- giving the fans the opportunity to go to an event and the day
1: of. i think that's absolutely right and and, and the great thing about television and, and getting clubs on television is that you get to see how much fun it is mm-hmm. to go to their grounds. You know, you've, yeah. you've got Featherston, it's a chance for Featherston or, or any other club to, to show the world how great their yeah. setup is and how it, you know, if, uh, if, if, if you're looking for something to do on a Sunday afternoon, then coming here or coming to another ground is, is the thing to do. And I'm, uh, you know, just, just delighted to uh, see this prospect.
0: Brilliant. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up there. That is all we've time for this week. A big thanks to Mark, Martin and Dave for coming on this week. That's all we've got time for, I'm Afraid. Don't forget, you can join the conversation too on Twitter at rlbatchat. But for now, goodbye.